Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Greetings from Tim Buckley. Jeff, this is Tim's son. That is spooky. You look just like him. I didn't actually know Tim had a son. Neither did he. My wife, she hates my music. No. She just hates my music. Tim? Tim. Mary had the baby. You have a son, Tim. This is your schedule. And it's your podium. I think we could have a lot of fun with this money. Not in this town. How'd you get to be the slave here? I'm not the slave. I love working here. Like, these people are incredible. Also, I have a huge crush on your father. I have to get back. Oh, we have to go forth. Wait. <laughs> Come forth. <laughs> That's cool. You should use that in one of your father's songs. Jeff? You know, stuff about your dad. You gotta put all that behind you. This whole concert is ridiculous. Like, all these people paying tribute to Tim. He spent his entire life abandoning the people he loved. So, like, what am I doing here? I think it's your time, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Karen James from IndieWire, and tonight's guests, Penn Badgley and Daniel Algrant. Hi there, thanks for coming. I want to start by saying I really like this film a lot, and I'm not just saying that because I'm here. It really, and I didn't come in with any particular interest in Tim or Jeff Buckley. I didn't really know their music particularly, but it really works as a drama. So tell me, first of all, what connection did either of you have with Tim or Jeff Buckley? What feelings did you have about the whole subject? Do you want to start, or would you like me to start? Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, Normally I, I start, so we're now going to do the opposite. Um, I, 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 I sort of fell in love with Jeff for a period when I was 17 years old. I um, listened to his Live at Cheney album, which blew me away. Uh, you know, he was, he, was like a, he was like a young white man in the 90s singing Strange Fruit, which was originally sung by Billie Holiday, and um, just him and a Telecaster with clean tone, like, and a little bit of reverb, and it's just one of the most soulful performances I think I've ever heard, and, um, you know, so that, that was my introduction to Jeff as a teenager, and then I, and then like you do when you're a teenager, you sort of Falling in and out of love quickly, and so and so I so I just put him on the shelf for a long time until this script came around. And Dan, how did the whole project start for you? It started really with my uh, producing partner driving me home, uh, which he would do on different occasions, and he would po he pops in uh, CDs b based on his mood, and 
there was a couple of weeks where he just started putting these uh, CDs in of Jeff Buckley, which I, whom I never heard. And then he would take the disc out quickly and put another disc in. It's like, it sounded very similar, but it's sort of the same. And he'd say, who's that? He'd say. And I'd say, I don't know. And he'd say, that's Tim Buckley. That's, that's his father. Five octave range. They both had five octave ranges. But they never knew each other. He said, it should be a movie. And I said, okay. And then he said, and they never really met. And then I said, okay. I mean, that, 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 that made it um, functionally really, or practically extremely interesting to me, that uh, the idea of making a movie about a father and a son who didn't really spend time together, who shared this talent, and died early, and then I got into all the, then I really began to learn about them and, and research them. And, uh, the more I learned, the more I got excited, and the more I got uh, realized the challenge uh, until we focused it just on this tribute, which is when it became, to me, something that was practically possible to do. Right, so it's focused on this tribute concert that actually happened. Did you ever, did you see that concert? Is there footage of it that you could watch? There, there was no footage no, of it. No, there's a recording of it. And it's a mess, frankly. It's like, because, you know, it, it happens very much, I, obviously nobody here has seen the movie, but it, but uh, it's it's the, the way that this concert itself come, came about was through this this loose collective um, in downtown New York City in, of the 80s and 90s, and they were just all these, like, sort of counterculture punk icons and, you know, various, like, brilliant creative addicts, and they would throw together these, these shows every now and then, and they were... They were just a. They, they, they how, were, they how Wilner. How Wilner, yeah. How Wilner, would, who runs and the Saturday Night Live music department, essentially. But in those days, he was yeah. doing that, and he. And, and the way that they tell it, you know, candidly, was just that it was always a mess, that it was always unrehearsed, and you're barely getting it together, you know. And that's what this. What I think is so beautiful about this film is that it captures, you know, not only a, a slice or a glimmer of Jeff or Tim, but also the the strange mercurial process that it is to make music um, in a pretty rare way, you know, because it's all live and kind of spontaneous, the same way that it would have been for the real show. What is your background in music, and what kind of music did you play? Because you play and sing in the film yourself. What was yeah. your background, and what kind of music did you like before you started doing this? Um, I mean, you know, my background was just loving music with an intense uh, passion F uh, th th throughout my whole life, but I started acting so early that it kind of got in the way, in a sense. Um, so I was never, I never played in a band. I never, w it was always a solitary pursuit for me. Uh, but I always loved, I grew up listening to a lot of soul and hip hop and jazz. And, and, and one of the few rock albums that I loved as a teenager was Grace, you know. But even then, I was, uh, the production was kind of like mainstream, even though the sounds weren't. Um, you know, it had those like very '90s rock drum sounds, so I just, so I was, I just kind of cast it aside. But um, I, yeah, I mean, I can't. I listened to, didn't have a, much rock in my background except for maybe like certain similar influences like Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. How important was it for you to sound like Jeff Buckley? Without doing an impersonation yourself, you know that must yeah, have been the no, challenge, I mean, right? That, that was that was a difficult thing the whole time to walk. It was a fuzzy line because, you know, he is inimitable. There is no imitating him because you'll just kind of stand there looking like an asshole. So, uh, 
I, I, you know what's nice about this movie is that is that there was freedom to not sound like him and to still evoke him, you know, which is I think the proper way to approach somebody like Jeff, because this is before he wrote the songs that we all know and before he had fully, I mean, he always had the voice, he always had the talent, but before he'd refined it to the point, developed it to the point that we all are familiar with the sound and the vibrations. So this is him just. He's like an unrefined ball of raw talent that needs shaping and 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 and, and you know self development and training. So I, I I would say that like you know every now and then I would hit the the right notes and and get some of that tr tr tremolo in there, you know. And that's you stick out your jaw a little. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like I don't mean to 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 min minimalize it, but. Um, but the, 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 you know, every I would I would just hit that on the head every now and then, but for the most part, really try and kind of bear my own soul and heart the way that he would. You know, I would just I basically just gave it all that I could, and that's all any artist tries to do, and that's what he did so impeccably. So you know, that was that was that was basically it. More than more than an imitation or a mimicry. Well, it is also an emotional story. It's about the son coming to terms with his father's legacy, and we have another clip where. Your character talks about that. And he and Allie are on a train. And let's take a look at that one. There's a train at nine that we could get. I'm not too worried about getting back. Just gonna stay in Amsterdam. You know, frankly, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but this this whole this whole thing, this this whole concert is fucking ridiculous. Like all these people paying tribute to Tim. They don't even know him. They never knew him. Lee, 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 play with him. Lee doesn't know him. Lee's a fucking. How how, how does how does anyone know anybody? We're all a million things. It's my, it's my father there, and that's his father. He used to beat the shit out of that boy every day. I don't know. I mean, and then he spent his entire life abandoning the people he loved. Why is that scene so important? Well, it's the moment he, uh, Pan, Jeff, came to New York, and one of the lovely things I think about this moment in his life is he was welcomed into to a community of musicians, and uh, and that was balanced, I think, by people just comparing. You look just like your father. You look just like your father. So he has to make this sort of realization that. And, and it's like he reaches the wall when they want him to sing, and they just have in the movie played this clip of his father singing "Once I Was," which which Hal Wilner wanted him to play, which he refused to do. He just didn't want to do it, I, I believe. And uh, at this moment, he's on this train because he's left. He just walked out, and it's an important moment because he's on his he's on his way to the house of his father, where his father grew up. And he's deciding whether he's going to actually do it. He's, he's making the decision of whether or not he's actually going to go 
and wrestle the bull, you know, or whatever, however you'd want to say it uh, eloquently. That that wasn't that the way to do it. But he, uh, and also he admits that for the first time that he actually knows so much about his father, and he he's trying to judge his father, but he also can't judge him because he knows his father. I mean, the beautiful thing about the beautiful thing about the movie, doing not the movie, but doing a movie about this is here's a kid who's 25 coming to New York, and he's judging his father, but his father was 19, you know. So you, you, I mean, I have an 11-year-old, and I've I've just been divorced, and I keep thinking about my own father who went through this, you know, and I hated him when he was getting divorced from my parents. He's 10 years younger than I was, and so you think, my goodness, the boy, Tim was just a kid. He was a kid. It was the 60s. He was a kid, and and it's it's. You don't know that as as a, as a 25 year old. You think of your father as like this, you know, you know, well, Hamlet's uh, like a ghost. It's I like think this partly, big thing partly the point is that you, is that you are just starting to come to terms with that reality. You know, regardless of who you are, man, woman. I mean, you know, the, the relationship with your parents is always a potent one. I think he's he's really struggling to unpack it and and realizing to some degree that it that it is baggage that might be heavier than he initially expected. Because I think. You know, regardless of what your situation is, you just sort of like you just take it on, and then you move forward, and you you know you're a strong person. You just keep going, whatever. It's not a big deal. Like fuck my dad. I don't I don't I don't really care that much. It's not that big of a deal. But I think he's starting to realize as he's you know getting closer to the show. It's like this tremor, this sh this shake, and he's in it, this vibration in him, and he and he's and he's conflicted because part of it you know it seems like this opportunity to finally be himself and show himself because he because more than anything i mean he had this unbelievable talent inside of him that no one quite quite had seen yet you know no one had appreciated the way that he believed they could, they might um and uh and 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 so i think he's also struggling a lot with whether or not he you know what really is inside of me? What really is like what 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 the, what the fuck am I doing here? And that's what and, basically and, exactly and, what he says. And there's a ritual he has to go through. He's about to go through the ritual in the church. It's almost I mean he has to go through and actually go through singing the songs. And it changes when you go through something like that. It's almost like some young man might go through a bar mitzvah, or a young person in a primitive in, in an indigenous tribe might go through the ritual, the walkabout, whatever. He's about to go through his walkabout, right? But in front of you know 300 people and. You know, it's it's the Singing moment his of father's truth. songs, whom he you know can't even figure out how he feels about you know in some ways, which is a pretty huge thing. Well, we have one final clip that actually is from you at that concert, singing a Tim Buckley song, "Once I Was." Let's take a look at that one.
tell you I was just a lie And sometimes I wonder for Beautiful. Amazing. Before we go to questions from the audience, um, I just want to ask you a little more about the details of getting this film made. What was the toughest thing? What was the budget? Where did you shoot it? Uh, the budget was very small. It was uh, a third of the money did not show up the first day of filming <clears throat> uh, because one of the investors uh, had a uh, some he had some popping stock deal that didn't pop. And so Smuggler Films actually showed up with the rest of the money the day of. And we, we shot it in 22 days. And um, the thing that was great about it is very rarely in an independent film do you have the financing and can you cast anyone you, you want to cast that's right for the part. So that was the thing that was miraculous. Uh, but shooting in that kind of uh, that that kind of speed, and having Penn have to go through the experience pretty much like Jeff did. I mean, it was 20 days. He had about five five or eight days. We had to rehearse and put all these musicians together and do all these things pretty much live. Uh, I knew that we wanted to do it live. And the great thing about having so little money was that the one thing you'll be able to smell about this movie 
is if it was real or not. If we, if we had, had a ton of money and was, we looped everything and we pre-recorded everything and had, you know, tried to imitate what was right and what was the pinnacle and perfect thing, you wouldn't see any of the, of the beauty of the mistakes and of the, of, the, of, the, of the yearning and the excitement of making something happen for the first time. I mean, can I say one last thing, please? This man had never played in front of people before this concert happened. It's the first time he played in front of people, and it's the first time he played the song. And it's and this song is, it doesn't. If you do if you do the meter of it, it doesn't have a meter. It's just a person uniting with an instrument. It's it's like it goes from seven eighth time to eight seven time to sixteen fifteenth. I mean, this, the the rhythm of it is completely and utterly. It's, intu it's intuitive, I think, is what Intuitive is the one way of, what's the quick way of saying it? Yeah, it's intuitive. <laughs> I can say it for a few paragraphs, but, that's, but that's, let's just... That speaks <laughs> to, you know, the quality of, of, the, of, the, of the, the film, like just the, the energy of it, is that, you know, obviously we weren't going to get anybody who could sing or look exactly like Jeff, but we're telling a story that just needs to have a certain... You know, vibration that the of 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 so, of somebody bearing their soul in a way. You know, just kind of giving all they could to it. And that's what I did. Like, you know, people ask me about the singing, or that you know, some people roll their eyes and like, well, you know, I mean, you said, well, of course not. You know, but it's but I really I just basically did all I could, and 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 was just by circumstance forced to do it in a way where I really couldn't think about it or rehearse it much at all, you know? I mean, like you said, when I sang that song, that was actually the first time I sang it out loud, which is half delusional, but something in me was just like saving that moment for the for for the thing, you know? And that was the first time I played in front of people, which was fucking terrifying. And then I'm also knowing that the, it's being filmed, and so it's not just in front of the people in the church and it's something that people later will be blogging about and wanting to hate so you know so <laughs> it's a great moment you really nailed thank it you, thank you. let's take some questions from all of you and if you wait there are microphones i think hi i was wondering if you could explain over here hey oh, hi. sorry hi. i was wondering if you could explain the significance or more so who ali was because i saw the film and it's not really a love story but it's also not so supportive like I'm saying like they're not really supportive of each other I don't want to like give anything away but in the end they're not really together so I was wondering if you could explain what she well you just gave it away okay <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not it's not a big deal they uh, what what I wanted to do was show two people the way they really might be at a time like this you know a movie you want the movie people, people who are producing movies, people who are uh, selling movies, and people who so often go to movies, and I'm one of them. You want to see this resolution. You want to actually have what you expect in a certain way. But that's not kind of the way it is. And so what we got, what we try to do is have this be something that allowed uh, her to, 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 to help him and nudge him. And that's what happens. When you're a young man and you're trying to become the man you want to be, and a woman that you suddenly are falling for is there, you're not really ready. I mean, I don't think a man can find, this is, a, this is sort of a, t a trite phrase, but I, I sort of believe it, and it's, and it's from one side of it, but I don't think a man really can figure out who he is amongst other men. A, a man can't really find a woman in his life until he realizes who he is amongst other men. I don't think he really can do it fully. And 
I think that that's what's happening here. He's, he's, he's scary to her, you know? And she's really interested in him, but she sees the trouble. I mean, don't you think? Is that sort of what happens? Is that how you felt about it? Because she wants to, I mean, she, he's, he's, she tells a little bit about, like, well, I'm going to do this and I do that. He says, well, let me, tell me about you. Tell me about you. And she says, no, 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 no. You tell me about you because I'm not ready to go there because you're trouble, man. And, uh, but she knows it's a shot, and she knows she, she may not. In truth, there was a woman in, in his life at this point, um, but we don't. I wanted to fictionalize it so we, could, so we could tell our own intimate things without having to go there. Does that help? Is that an answer? Is, does that make any sense? So I have a, um, a two-part question for Daniel and one question for Penn. Um, uh, Daniel, um, how long was uh, the, the project in development? And my second question was what excited the investors to jump on board? And Penn, uh, with the concert performance scene, how many takes did it get you to, to nail it? Well, that's an easy one because we did three takes. I thought we just shot the concert all the way through, like a real concert, three times. And then you, you can answer the other part. We wrote the script, the first draft of the script. We started writing the script and we filmed the film uh, pretty much five months later. Um, it, was, it was a job that we, we found financing for the, for the development of it and we delivered scripts and uh, they just kept moving forward and there was a one moment where we hadn't cast it. I couldn't find, I'd gone to London, I'd gone to California and I'd looked at all these tapes, I couldn't find someone, but we had this movie money, we had the money, but we couldn't find the cast, we couldn't find Penn, I didn't know where Penn was. Penn was on some videotape on a shelf in A.B. Kaufman's office for a couple of days and I just didn't know what was going on. And so the line producer, Joe Fuller, comes to me, she says, Dan, she said, you have a movie here. He said, you better just come in here every day and act busy until you have this thing cast, because if you don't do that, there's not gonna be a movie done. And that's sometimes what you have to do. It's a weird independent film that we had the money without the cast, but uh, that's sort of what we did. But it was very quick, it was a year. It was a year from start to finish, essentially. And then it took, and now we're essentially a year after, you know, starting to shoot. Just wanna preface it that I heard Jeff with Gods and Monsters, with Gary Lucas, before okay. anyone knew who he was. Sure. And Tim's music was part of my life soundtrack. I have two questions sure. for the both of you. Did you contact uh, Jeff's mom, Tim's ex, widowed ex-wife, about this film? And Penn, did you listen to the music of Tim to sort of like complete the cycle, so to speak? Well, you, you were referring to Mary Gebert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fred Zolo, I guess about eight or nine years ago, again, my producing partner, had talked to Mary about eight or nine years ago, more than that actually now, 2013, 2005, no, eight or nine years ago, and was interested in doing this because she had been trying to make this film with Brad Pitt, and then she'd been trying to make a film with different people. And, uh, uh, but she really wanted to make a film without Tim in the film. And she actually made a documentary about Jeff that doesn't mention Tim at all in the film, which is unusual. But it's what she wanted to do, and that's fine. But, so for, but Fred just said, I need to make, there's no film in his mind without, without uh, Tim in the film. And uh, that was it. You know, that was pretty much it. And, and of course, you listen to... Yeah, I, lis I listened to Tim. I listened to Tim and Jeff, you know, um, a lot before we started shooting. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I mean, there was a period where I was listening to both of them a lot, but then I stopped listening to both of them because... Um, it just didn't seem like it was 
productive. It was just like kind of the cyclical process where I was like, ah, this is impossible. And then, and yeah, so I, um, I really fell in love with Tim's music long after we stopped. Like after I saw the film for the first time, you know, I was hearing Pleasant Street and all these different tracks of his, uh, you know, scoring the film and they score the film beautifully, I think. And, 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 and I was really moved by a lot of Well, it's his a jukebox in his head. That's the way I describe it. We wanted to, I mean, Jeff, yeah. Jim, when Jeff came to New York, he had Tim's music in his head. And so I wanted the audience who might not have heard of Tim Buckley or heard his music, which is, by the way, incredible music. I mean, his writing and his, his lyrics are just exquisite and, 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 and subtle and wild and poetic. And Jeff knew all this. So how do you educate the audience? You, want, you know, it's like going to a con When you go to a concert, if you're going to like a, you know, a Bruce Springsteen concert, you, you listen to Bruce all day, so you get ready for it. Well, that's what we kind of wanted to do, as well as show that Penn in his mind, every time he reached for a door doorknob, he's listening to something. And it was just whirring in his head, so it sort of satisfied both, yeah. both things. And I told you that, that jukebox. Hi, the movie's on iTunes. Is it also going to be in the theaters? Yeah, May 3rd. I want to see who asked that question first. Right oh, yeah, yes, opening. Show your face. I'd like to know <laughs> where you're from and what you're doing here. No. What are you doing later? May, th <laughs> May 3rd in theaters in New York and Los Angeles, and then in eight other, ten other cities. The Select next week. cities, I believe, is playing in Boulder, Colorado. I believe it's also in Seattle, Washington. Chicago's tough, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Hi, thank you. Um, it's really great to see you again. I really had such a wonderful time working on this film. I was in that audience when you played this concert, and every oh. time you sang that song, it brought a tear to my eye. Oh, wow. Every oh, time. Thank you. And um, the concert was so powerful and was so beautifully done. Do you have any intention of releasing that just on its own? Because it's actually really special. Th I just want to say for everyone else is that there's, there's a whole concert sequence that contains... How many songs are in it? Do you know? There are five or six songs that we have in, in the film. In the but film, but then we played in the concert like, like eight a collective. Songs. Yeah, about eight songs. That the original concert was three hours long. <laughs> actually this con our concert was an hour long yeah and, and we played that songs. three times to shoot it so so you and that's incredible thank you thank you for for that there's some uh, great people kate nash is in it and jen turner's in it and uh they're lovely and hank uh, roberts who's a cellist who actually played at the show with jeff and with everyone was there um and he helped uh arrange the cover that he and i did of lilac wine that plays uh over the final see well i don't want to give it away but <laughs> Do we have time for one or two more questions? Uh, this question goes to Penn Badgley. I'm a huge fan of your work. I loved you on Gossip Girl and the Stepfather movie. Um, I wanted to know, would you return to TV again in the future, like do another TV show? Uh, I would rather sit on this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, there's no ill will towards television, uh, but I like the microphone. No. Um, it. it I, I've done 14 years of television when all is said and done, you know, none of which anybody had seen except for Gossip Girl, uh, which is part of the problem. But, um, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it was a wonderful body of work behind me, I suppose, you know, and it, and it, and it put me where I am, and I'm thankful for it. But uh, there's... The, I think the revelation with this film for me as an actor was was such a, such a, a deep one, such a profound one for me that... That I think I want to just I I want to focus on the challenges that can, can I think only come with a singular you know incident because with with television you're doing it for forever and you're doing it 
you know, 14 hours a day, five days a week, 10 months out of the year for six years. And it's just after a while, it's just it's a very different thing, you know, whereas a film, it's like it's, it comes once and then it's gone. So you, you just, you, you, you really give your, yourself in a very different capacity. So, so just creatively, I think that I don't, I, I don't know that I could ever go back to, to television. Well, I want to say uh, congratulations to you both. Um, and my question is for Penn. It seems like independent films are more relatable. Um, do you feel like you're more drawn now to independent films rather than big motion pictures? Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, absolutely. I mean, all, you know, all the scripts that I read for big, um, big budget movies now, they're just like, they're thoroughly uninteresting for, you know, I mean, what they do is they put like incredible actors in movies that have no business being good, really. And, and you know you get great directors. You basically get everything that's great except for the script, which it seems to me to be very silly. It's like why not just also have a good script and then we'd all be happy, you know. But for some reason that's not the way that it works. And um, and I think that there's just there's a real opportunity with with independent film. It's also frustrating with independent film because you know they're, 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 it's hard to get them all off the ground. Um, and and can I chime in? I just want to say independent film is an unusual yeah, way to describe it because. This. They're t independent films are just basically called, they should be called dependent films. They're totally dependent on bizarre and incredible circumstances and audiences act going to them. Because without, it's so difficult to advertise them. And the wonderful thing about this Apple thing and being able to put it on iTunes, that there will be in the next few years, next few months, one hopes the next few weeks for us, the ability for this film to find the people we depend on. We depend on the kindness of strangers, right? But we depend on the audiences finding this and our film being available to them that are, may not be in a city, they may just be in a certain place that they can just, you know, pop it on and watch it in their home. And uh, that's so, yeah, that's my, I would finish there. That was the end of my thought. So I think we have to let you go now. <laughs> we have to let you guys go because you have another screening tonight. Thank you very much. And thank you both for being here. And congratulations. Thanks, thank, you. Thank, you guys. thank you guys. Thank you guys.